I'm John Wilson. Welcome to Owned and Operated. Twice a week, we talk about home service businesses. And if you're a home service entrepreneur, then this is going to be the show for you. We talk about our own business in residential plumbing, HVAC, and electric. And we also talk about business models that we just find interesting. Let's get into it. This episode is sponsored by Home Service Engine. So this is a company that I would highly recommend if you are thinking about getting onto Service Titan, or if you're like me and you have to rebuild your Service Titan every few months because you set it up incorrectly. So this is my go-to team for any Service Titan needs, and I really wish I had them from the start. Give them a call today and start utilizing Service Titan to its fullest potential. Thanks for tuning in to Owned and Operated. Today on the show, Jack and I talk about well drilling. Well drilling has been a business that's fascinated me for a while because it's been adjacent to plumbing and we've watched these guys come in and get big average tickets. And apparently Jack had the same obsession. So he brought a really great business that we broke down and I think you'll be surprised by the numbers that come off of this thing. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to Owned and Operated. Welcome back. Hey, John. What's up, Jack? Dude, how was your week? It's good. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see my wonderful picture behind us of the emus. This is now going to be part of the studio because I get surprisingly a lot of questions about emu farming. But my week was, it's all right, man. It's been a weird week, right? It's first of the month. So a bunch of payments came out of the account. SBA loans, everything came out. Mm -hmm. We had a shit ton, excuse the language, but a shit ton of AR that for whatever reason just didn't get collected and we're crunched a little bit right now. It's the first time in the last two years, like I've had ups and downs, but it's the first time in the last two years that I'm going, ah, like I have the money. It's just not in the account. Like I don't have the money. Yeah, It's there, but it's not there. So the first like feeling of actually, hey, I need cash to make payroll this Friday. But I called up some of the AR and checks should be coming in. So we should be fine. But note to everyone, stay on top of your AR. Yeah, 100%. We're going to start getting more tactical with some of these episodes and like AR management would be a good one. It's never been a problem for me. Like we've always been on top of it. We just, because of the snow, like the the snow last week ending and being super busy, we pushed one or two big projects that we paid all the materials for, but didn't collect. We had the half up front, but we still are sitting on $40,000 in just uncollected, unfinished projects because we need to put some thermostats on. Just ridiculous stuff. But yeah, we should dig into it. It becomes super important in growth. Yeah. I mean, that cash has to come from somewhere Yeah, to keep growing. But besides that, we are moving into due diligence on two companies at the moment. One $2 million HVAC company and one $2 million plumbing company. So my life is going to be hell <laughs> in about a month or two months. So hopefully mm-hmm. I can close on just one before our uh, zero to $5 million conference and one after. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Are you being facetious? I don't know. That's a double. That sounds like fun. Sweet. How was your week? The week was good. I was telling our managers today and talking about it, but we're recording this on February 7th. And February is the bane of my existence. It has been the bane of my existence for my entire career. I don't think it's going to go away. And this February is like ridiculous. It was 60 degrees today in Ohio. Six zero. I was just going to ask. I was actually Googling. I muted myself to Google. What's the weather like there? Because it is 66 here. I was like, am I going to do maintenances right now? Like, I know. I know. Like, I, I thought I was going to change into shorts. Yeah, crazy. 
we have been very blessed this year. We did not knock this out of the park. So I don't want anyone to walk away thinking we did. We were intentional about scheduling our maintenance visits for heating and AC season. And we saved as much as we possibly could for right now. So you're doing heating maintenances right now? We're still wrapping up our heating maintenances. When the club grows big enough, it's no longer a fall tune-up and a spring tune-up. Like the membership base is literally too large to do it. So that's where we're at. We don't even have that big of a membership base, but we can't do thousands of service calls in the month of October for HVAC. We just can't do it. And that problem is only going to get worse the bigger we go. So what we do now is we do winter tune-up and not winter tune-up, basically. So you will be somewhere in the six months of October to March, and you will be somewhere between April and September. And that worked really well. We're sitting at the beginning of February, and we have tune-ups fully through the end of March for heating. So I still have another 415 or so tune-ups to run for heating. And then we're going to immediately turn around and start running AC tune-ups, which is April is still like a tough time for us. So we are cruising, which is kind of wild in HVAC. We really planned for this. We really focused on it. We made sure we hit it. We got intentional with scheduling. And because of that, despite it being 60 some degrees in February, like we're doing good. That's awesome. HVAC is doing good. I don't know, man. So that we just hired our full-time outbounder for that purpose. And we're like struggling to create scripts and everything around that. I should add that is what made it happen. It is the outbounding team. Like without that, we wouldn't be anywhere near as successful as we are currently being. The the outbound team changed the business. So we have uh, a little over a thousand, I think it's like a thousand, 200 members. So we've done pretty well on memberships. But we do terrible. We used to just send out text messages, blanket text messages to all the team to schedule whenever you guys feel like call in and you get a very low response rate. And so we have a thousand members that we are actively going to start calling starting Monday. That's my first script. I'm going to load those things in. You're going to hit it then. Like you're going to have a smooth run through March. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. So that should be enough to keep us busy. And then I know we talk about on here, I'm not a huge fan of working for property management companies, but we also do work for one kind of property management company that's legacied over for us. And we just hit them up. We've done in times like these last year, we'd call them up and say, hey, you have 130 clean and tunes for $139 each. Boom. And we go and do 100 clean and tunes and keeps the team busy. It's not a huge moneymaker, but we do find some issues and that generally drives some service work on the back end. It's better than sitting around, man. Better than sitting around. Yep, 100%. Yeah, so things are going good. Like revenue's not hitting target. We're about 20 grand short a day of where we should be. So we're doing like roughly 80 to 85,000 a day. Oh, I shouldn't do $85,000 a day. Dude, I've got 140 people on payroll. I know you do. I know it's a different. It just it sounds funny. Yeah, like we should be doing 100. Yeah. So yeah, so we're not totally hitting like revenue goal, but so far February is moving, which is fun. Yeah, sweet, man. I know we talked about this offline, but we are going to do a business model deep dive today. I'm very excited. Yeah. So I brought this one, little history. So when I got out of college in California in the early 2010s, I'm aging myself for everyone out there. I'm giving you the age. But with that, California was in the worst drought that has ever been in for 
seven years, eight years. And water in California has always been a thing. So I actually, coming out of college, almost went in to well drilling. And so I want to deep dive a well drilling company. Me and my buddy, we were going to raise $300,000 by an old school drilling rig and go drill wells all over California. That was our goal. That's what we were going to do. It fell through last minute and he ended up still going and doing it. He had an MBA and he was an entry level well driller for three years with an MBA. So sweet use of your MBA. He loved it. I loved it at the time. And so he still went ahead and did it. And I went off into facilities maintenance. That being said, I love these kind of companies, right? It's the same as the septic company. It's the same as all these companies that are very heavy on asset. The difference though, is it's also heavy on like skilled labor. So you need a $300,000 rig, but you also need this team of, of experienced well drillers that are willing to work strange hours and long hours and kind of dirty jobs. I would feel like it's a lot similar to the oil and gas industry. Yeah, I think so. And that's probably where they get people. That's probably like a somewhat interchangeable talent pool. But yeah, well drilling is interesting. So we've had a lot of exposure to well drilling over the years. And I've always loved the business because it's ridiculously necessary. I like businesses that you have to have it. Like you have to have this thing and well drilling is water for the home or water for the business, but usually for the home. Like we'll go to a no water call. Like, Hey, I got no water. The well pump needs replaced or the pipe is broken or, you know, it could be any number of things, but what it could also be is you need to drill a new well, which is crazy. So maybe the pump is stuck and the pump is 80 feet down and you can't get the thing out. So you have to drill like a new casing down in, or maybe it's collapsed. Yeah. So it, it's this funny scenario where you don't really think about it. And then suddenly you just don't have water, which makes life really complicated, right? If you don't have heat, you can get space heaters and like dress warm. It's not going to be great, but like you can survive it. But like not having water is much more complicated. So it's this highly urgent, ridiculously expensive and highly important job. We've always been attracted to it because every time we run into that scenario, it's like pulling teeth to get somebody out to go do it. There's a huge moat because of the assets required to do it, the talent required to do it, and the tickets are dumb. For like three hours of work, it's 10 grand or something like that. It's just outrageous. And you're just speaking about, I mean, it's kind of the same in any service industry. That's residential too. There's a whole commercial side where you're drilling yeah. these 800,000 foot deep holes with, yeah. you know, freaking, I'm holding my arms out right now with five foot bores. The price on that, just one of those yeah. is hundreds of thousands of dollars to drill. The rigs get more expensive. You're not drilling with that 300K rig anymore, but the tickets are there. And to be honest, that I mean, Google well drilling in your area, there's not very many companies. I remember when, back when I just started Twitter, I was searching for a home uh, well drilling company, a residential one. And I actually went through the government, like the, the city of Boise's website, and I looked up all the people with well drilling licenses and I was cold calling them. I almost had one, but he ended up just like, ah, I'm just going to pass it on to my sons. But very interesting. There weren't many. It was enough that I could cold call in two days. Yeah, there's only a couple locally for us. But the demand, there's demand. There's a lot of demand. And it's the same as like pulling water lines. So there's this old pulling water line thing where this company just used to replace water lines. So anything touching water is going to be urgent. If a home doesn't have water, it's urgent because there's no easy solution to not having water. Yeah. Like you need water. You need to drink it. You need to flush toilets. You got to have water. 
And like any other solution isn't going to be great because the longer the buyer postpones the decision on what they're going to do about water is just costing them more money because they're probably in a hotel. So like every night that they don't decide is another $500 and then another $500. It's just like ticking clock of dollars, just like slowly ramping up. <laughs> Whereas replacing water lines or drilling wells is a quick affair. But okay, let's dive into the model. I'm here for it. I'm fascinated. Let's do it. So this is my buddy. So like I said, I got really into well drilling for a long time. It was one of my entrepreneurial pathways that I truly thought was going to get, which is the way we're going to go. So he was in Central Oregon, a friend of a friend. I reached out to him. I said, hey, give me some quick numbers. And he said last year, so he's been doing this for six years now. Last year, he did $8.4 million in wells. Stop it. And he launched it from zero? He launched it from zero. But you have to realize, so Central Oregon is like Bend, Oregon and those kind of areas. Yeah. It's desert. They saw a huge influx of people into that area in that 2020 COVID yeah. situation of people leaving California to go live out in the countryside and own a little mini farm or homestead. Guess what? All of those are on wells. So he's grown it about $2 million per year and did 8.4 last year at 56.6, 57% margins. Okay. I was like, which margin? Gross margin. Okay. That's obviously good. Crazy. Yeah. So what's above the line on that? What's labor percentage? Do we know? I don't think I know labor percentage exactly. Let me see. Okay. So like they're dealing with pipe, they're dealing with casing. That's what I was going to say. They're buying casing, they're buying the pump. So it's probably um, like a 20-20. So you probably have 20% materials, 20% labor, and maybe a couple percent of like permits or something. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much into it because it's like uh, septic, right? It's mostly your labor. But you get the guys that are there, they're on hourly. There's not much to that. I guess they are doing casing. So that's definitely part of it. It's definitely a decent percentage. And then maintenance of the vehicles goes into expense. So that's what that looks like. And then they start driving into operating expenses, which came in at about um, two and a half million, totaling down. So they made four million, give or take, on gross margin and two and a half million. So they cleared 15 to 20% on EBITDA. That is ridiculous. Well drilling, septic, I'm sure there's others, but this is one of those fun businesses where the more rural you are, the better. That's just like where the customers are. Because I think most people, especially plumbing, HVC, and electric, because the tickets are smaller than well, you know, in plumbing, HVC, and electric, like you want dense, you want density because you're going to run more calls, you're going to do this thing, but in drilling, you only need like a couple calls a week. Do you want to know what that is per well? They do about a $58,000 average ticket. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Every HVAC ticket's 60K. Just yeah. absolutely nuts. So it, is that mainly new construction? It's a lot of like new projects. How much of that's retrofit wells? I mean, it doesn't matter because when you're drilling out a well to put in a new well, I don't think they do much, as you were saying, like fixing casing, pulling well yeah. pump. I know that some do. That was between them actually drilling out 120 wells. Yeah. No, what I'm wondering, the reason I think it matters is lead gen. Are they working with a few builders that toss them all these wells or are they like getting leads to go run wells? I think that it's a mix, right? So it's definitely they work with builders. I know that for sure. But mostly, then that's for the few new construction projects they have. It's one of those businesses, like I said, that has more demand 
than supply of contractors who are doing it. It's an interesting thing. I think that people actually work really hard to seek them out. So I was talking to him about paid. He's like, we don't really do paid. We have a Facebook, we have a Google, we do a little bit of ad spend, but their word of mouth, because they deal with people like yourself, plumbing companies who come out there, bad well need to drill a new well. And most of the time, especially in Central Oregon, I think it's water table dropping. And so they're digging, pulling out the 80 foot well from 1960 and they're putting in a 150 foot well today mm-hmm. so wild numbers they said they did that between let me see what he said i'm more interested like revenue per truck right yeah how, how many staff members are there this is going to be depressing it's like four <laughs> i asked him the question about marketing and he said it's really modest they do a little bit of internet advertising but it's all word of mouth some realtors they still do a placement in a phone book Interesting. Listen to this. They have three competitors in a hundred mile radius. I mean, locally, there's like two for me and there are a lot of wells. Like there's a lot of rural. There's just not much. Yeah. And so that was done with 14 full-time employees. Jesus Christ. So that's 571,000, almost $600,000 per employee. Per employee. Yeah. Including call takers. Yeah. They don't really have a call taker. I think it's his wife because they're a small well drilling company. This isn't even a giant one, but it's his wife who does it, takes the calls because it's not like a home service company where you're getting 7,000 calls a day. It's really two or three come in a day. But when you're looking at it, a well to drill takes maybe a day, maybe two days to do. So you might get those two calls on Monday and you're booked out for the week. Yeah. Oh my God. That's wild. I have to like recheck my pricing. Now I'm fascinated because that's so different from what I remember it costing. So I'm like, is that market dependent? That's what I was going to say. My guess is it's market dependent because here in Tennessee, we don't have a water issue, right? There's never been a water issue that I've known of here since I've lived here. And that's wonderful. What does water issue mean? Everything is on city or there's just no dropping water table? Like nobody talks about water. There's no dropping water table. It rains constantly. You have to think like Bakersfield, California, where they're growing thousands of acres, thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres of almonds and using all that water that's in that basin, that water table is dropping feet per year. And so you're sitting over there with your little well trying to pump water to your house. Newsflash, the orchard pumped it all out for the last six years. And now you just don't get any water anymore. If you're a home service entrepreneur that's just starting out or is early on in the journey and you haven't broken the $5 million revenue mark, We've got an event for you. This spring in Cleveland, March 19th to the 21st, we're hosting an event at my office. It's going to be awesome. Honestly, some of the most impactful visits of my career have been visits to companies that were larger than we were, that we could take lessons from and see how they're doing stuff. Like get a behind the scenes look. How are they structuring warehouse? How are they thinking about call center? Can I talk to their managers? Can I understand what their KPIs are? We're going to dive into all that stuff. We are here to help people get above $5 million in revenue. So join us in Akron, Ohio, March 19th to the 21st for a breaking $5 million event. Love to see you there. Details are at ownedandoperated.com. I'm one of those doomers that like, I think the whole Sun Belt and like California, Arizona, Florida, like ridiculous water problems that people seem to be refusing to accept. And like, they're still building more and more. And it's guys, you don't have water. Like you literally don't have water. And what are you going to do with 9 million people in Phoenix when you don't have water? We had to drill 10 different boreholes on the property, on the wineries in Napa to try and find water. 
We brought in yeah. the people who do the switches. It's like finding oil. This is insane. And it's like, what do you do when you don't have water? And I agree. Like water's never been an issue in Ohio. That's because I'm like 30 miles from the great freaking lakes. Like mm -hmm. water will never be an issue in Ohio. Put it this way. We had the option and this is commercial water. This is for the winery, right? But the wineries are out in the country. So it's not a significantly different other than wineries use high amounts of water. But that being said, still, we had two options. We had option one is we could do a pipeline to a known water location through two people's property and pay them. I think it was like ungodly amounts of money to, to rip up vineyards and put in a water line or try and bore 10 holes. We bored 10 holes and we got six gallons per minute on the last hole. And that was a win. Six GPM. And that's a garbage well. That's insanity. And so that we're obviously talking about this while California supposedly is flooding, which is extremely ironic. But at least yeah. I, I want to put it in a time and a place over the last few years. It, it has been a drought area. Oh, yeah. Like we saw Lake Mead last summer and it's insane. I don't even know how many feet Lake Mead's dropped over the past decade. Yeah, but it's been crazy. And it's like we're using up all the water. And we went and stayed in Phoenix for a couple of weeks last year, and it was honestly terrifying. I have like four or five different stories of all these like South states that I've been to. Florida was one of them where the aquifer is like getting drained out. No one seems to acknowledge that. They just keep building houses. Like I get growing tax revenue, but what do you do when there's no water? Phoenix makes zero sense to me. Like you're in a fucking desert. Like why are we attempting to make this work? This is nonsensical that we're trying to make this the fastest growing thing. It's just what a waste of resources. I just don't get it. I really just don't get it. Yeah, Boise was the same. So it's kind of the whole West Coast. It's at least, I don't know too much about Florida, but it was all the intermountain West of Montana, Wyoming, yeah. Boise, Arizona, Colorado, Utah. Yeah. We saw this giant drought. And so what was great was, and you can see it here with my buddy's company, is everything in well drilling blew up because it was a perfect storm of, hey, there's no more water. People are pumping mm -hmm. more. Corporations are pumping more. And then we need new wells. Water tables lower, lower than it was 60 years ago. Florida is 30 feet lower than it was 40 years ago. I got my scuba certification in Florida mm -hmm. two years ago. And like a part of it was diving into these like water pits, basically, which is the aquifer. And so we jumped into these pits and there was all these like holes in the ground where it used to be supported by the aquifer, but the aquifer dropped 30 feet in the last couple of decades. So now like the water's just 40 feet down there and like it's just a giant hole in the ground because there's no more water supporting it. Like it's just insane. It's crazy. So yeah, I'm definitely one of the doomers that's just like people are going to move towards water at some point. No one thinks about where water comes from. They just don't think about it. It's always going to be there. It's not always going to be there. It's not. So to talk about a moat and business sustainability, I can't pull this picture up, although I would check this out on screen share. So I've checked in Bakersfield subsidence. Can you see this? Yeah. So it's a picture of a telephone pole, a normal size telephone pole. And you can see where the land was in 1925, 1955, and 1977. And it's over... That same, what, 40 feet? Same idea. So what does that mean where the land was? There's a thing of water right here. And as the water gets pulled out of the ground, yeah. the land yep. drops. And then you can't, it can't refill either because it's already compacted. So then you have to drill deeper. Pretty wild. But once yeah. again, great business, good moat. You can't yeah. refill those aquifers. So 
Yeah, you can't. That was a whole part of like the plumbing licensure exam. And that was really eye opening. It was like you're tapping into millions and tens of millions of years of stored water. And when you use it, that water is like, that's it. That was the water that you tapped into. Like, obviously, groundwater can refill it, but if it's dried up, it's dried up and it does exactly what you're describing. Well, so groundwater, I think it refills better, like in these climates. I don't know what Ohio's like, but Tennessee is really rocky. So when you pull the water out, there's still that space in between the rocks yeah, and the shale and whatever. In, in the Central Valley of California, where that picture was, it's all silt. So the minute you pull it out, it like, there's no putting it back in. So anyway, all that to say, that's why I love this business. He ran so hard for the last five years and still just went out. His dad was in construction, bought him a truck, yeah. paid him back already. And plus some really neat business. Yeah, that is really cool. I can't wait to have an over half a million dollar revenue per employee business. That sounds like, sounds pretty good. Gotta up them septic prices. Yeah, I gotta up them septic prices pretty hard. Okay, so what's it take to get into well drilling? Walk me through it. Great question, depending where you're at, the state, but generally there's a license of some sort. And I have never seen a state that doesn't have, it's like a four-year master well driller's license. Like you have to actually really get into it. And so that's why I was giving my buddy with the MBA a hard time where he went out and actually did it as a well driller and worked his way up through the company. But it was because he wanted to own his own well drilling company. And so you need to go to school, which you can knock off a few years that way. But really, it's experience in the field, especially when you get into those large commercial jobs, which he was trying to go for. And so that's the big thing. The first thing is you need your license. You need the experience to get the license. And it is not easy in any way, shape, or form. The second thing you need is a boatload of cash to buy all the equipment. So you have to buy the rig, you have to buy all the drilling pipe, you have to buy the drilling heads. And then the third and last part to this, which people don't think about, is you actually really do need a shop for this one. So there's a lot of kind of, I'll call it backyard maintenance that goes on. But really what it is, it's like, hey, can you weld? Totally. It's the same with septic. You have to be mm-hmm. scrappy. You have to be mechanic You have to be able to weld. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Septic excavation. Anything big machinery, like equipment goes down and you lose $1,000 an hour or more, like more probably in this case. So yeah, you got to figure it out because if you send it to a mechanic, they might have a month long backlog to get that thing. Oh yeah. And then on those drilling heads, it's not like you can pop down to Home Depot or even a local supply house really doesn't have a giant rotating rock specific drilling head for when you hit something that you weren't expecting. And so- there is a need for some kind of shop to be able to fabricate and fix and weld and do metal work, like heavy duty metal work. And then lastly, probably some kind of supports for that, like a forklift. I'm sure you could start a little bit smaller, especially or geographically based. If you were somewhere where your wells were only 20 feet deep, you could probably get away with a cheaper rig and a kind of a little bit like a smaller setup, almost like on septic, where some people just have those F450s that are running with a tank on the back. Same idea is you can do a smaller version, but to do the scalable version like this business, you definitely need the kind of the whole shebang right out the gate. That makes sense. Okay. All right. 500. And like from everything you said, very difficult to start. Very difficult to start. But 
the juice is worth the squeeze. Ridiculous average ticket, highly urgent projects. They need water, low competition. Like you might be launching it and there might only be one other company servicing your area, but 300 grand. 300 grand. That's basically a franchise fee. What I like about any of these heavy equipment things is one, let's touch on that last sentence. That's basically a franchise fee, but it's equipment which is resaleable, so you could get that 300 grand back, and it's equipment so you can get just dumb financing terms. I was just going to say tons of loans. Yeah. Oh my God. Anybody in the freaking world is going to lend on a $300,000 piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that all the time for our septic. Like, and the interest rates are just stupid. Like, My lowest interest rates are equipment, and many of them are still 0%. Like, Our blended total debt cost is something like 2.9%. And that's in the beginning of 2024 because so much of our equipment is 1% or under. Because it's equipment. They can just reclaim it and sell it. Like they're not worried about it. Yeah, that is one of the beauties of heavy asset, heavy equipment stuff is it's very easy to get financing. Any bank in the world will lend on heavy equipment stuff at ridiculous rates and you can resell it if you need to get out from under it. But it's the same as septic where... I remember when we were a smaller plumbing company, we were equipment constrained. So like I didn't have a jetter. So I had to like subcontract jets because jets were 50 grand and I didn't have a septic truck. So we'd have to bring in a septic pumper and then we didn't have a well truck. So we'd have to bring in a well driller. So now we've acquired two of those. Maybe we'll get the third, but assets create moat and you end up doing a bunch of work for your competitors, it actually brings me a lot of joy. Like a lot of our competitors don't have septic trucks. Mm -hmm. So like they call me and I love it. Those are my favorite checks to cash. (laughs) No, it's it's a good point. And I think you see this in other industries too, across industry like asphalt paving, right? It's huge equipment. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other big money jobs. Yeah, Yeah. it creates this crazy mode. I've voiced my opinion a lot that I don't think it makes any sense to go launch a new HVAC or plumbing company when you can just make a lot more working for somebody. But you could do it relatively easily. You cannot relatively easily launch a septic company or a well drilling company. Or crane company. Or crane company. Think about cranes a lot. Yeah. I'm coming to realize something about myself doing these episodes is I actually don't dream about septic. I just dream about asset heavy businesses because it's like cranes drilling septic it's all these just giant machines that i want to own they're fun it is fun to own but it's also super lendable we're about to sell two septic trucks that are 20 years old 20 Mm -hmm. and they're worth 50 grand a piece i believe it that's a 20 year old so i'm gonna get 100 grand out of 20 year old vehicles that's crazy not to mention the miles on those things have to be huge because you're driving yeah. around all day long. Just One of them, pumping. I think, has a million miles on it. Yeah. Literally a million. Because it's been driving around for two decades. Yeah. Pumping shit out of the ground. I believe it. That's yeah. awesome. Crazy. Okay. All right. So this was a fascinating business. This was good. Do you have any other details on it? No. The thing I would just want to say is like buying makes it easier on this one, I would think. If you bought with ownership still in place, that's what I would do if I did this looking back. I don't know enough to really give it a rating on that side, but five out of 10, just right middle. It seems like an eight or a nine. No, if you buy it with the ownership in place, but to start it up, eight or nine, 100%. Yeah, but juice is worth the squeeze. Juice is worth the squeeze. Big entry moat, hardly any competitors, ridiculous average ticket. If you run a drilling company on the West Coast somewhere in the last 10 years, tell us if we were right, wrong, what did I miss? Actually, I have, I was uh, just talking to somebody well driller 
And yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it literally was. I'll get his information. I'll shoot him a DM and see if he wants to come on the show. But yeah, we, yeah, we were emailing like a month ago and he's doing it down in Texas. But I think they do a bunch of service work because they're like advertising direct to consumers. They're like replacing pumps. I think they're doing some filtration and they're also drilling wells. Yeah, because that's a big thing to point on is so a pump company is not a well drilling company. They're usually two different separate companies. You can obviously grab that second vertical and take the additional. But yep. a lot of times what ends up happening is the pump company is just a completely separate, different company. And the well drilling company is its own. All it does is pop the hole in the ground yeah. and then pump water out and test. And then someone yeah. else comes on and caps it with a pump. And then there's remediation companies that come in and then they pump it with acids and try to get some stuff out if there's uh, sediment in it or fix collapsed lines. And they did some geothermal too, he said. But really, just mostly water wells. That's all simple. Yeah. That's beautiful. All right. This was a solid business breakdown. I've been interested in well drilling businesses for years. Yeah. Cause I've been surrounded by them and just like watching them. Like, it's the one thing you don't do yet. Man, I got to get me one of those. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Own and Operated. This was good. If you like what you heard today, give us a five star. It helps other people discover what we are doing and talking about here on the show. Also, make sure you check out ownedandoperated.com. Sign up for the newsletter. We're talking about a bunch of different stuff every week about how to run a home service company. On the website, we also talk about our workshop coming up in March 19th to the 21st. Should be fun. Showing people how to get past $5 million in your service company. So ownedandoperated.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to Owned and Operated, the podcast for home service entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the like button and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach out. You can find me on Twitter at, at Wilson Companies. I'll see you next time.